That's as far as you got? Uh, yeah, I ran out of patience with them. Oh, my goodness. Nope, you weren't the candidate for that set. My goodness. I, there were some that I just couldn't listen to any longer. You're right. But the single shows in that one file, I put them in, in separate folders, and the one that's labeled single shows is just a buffet of awfulness. <laughs> that's the best I can do. I mean, it's got cherries and peppers and onions and uh, all sorts of things in there, but boy, are they bombs. Uh, I'm going to send one of them to Walden, and he will give us his professional evaluation of them. Oh, he'd be a good judge, that's for certain. I know that for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I've got really all of these really good things. I've got adventure, comedy, crime, detectives, drama, heroes, history, history of radio, horror and thriller, kids, mysteries, narrations. Ooh, do you like Boris Karloff and Basil Rathbone? I think I got that. The, the narrations where they read the stories? Yeah, I think I have that. Okay, I know I sent you uh, Sherlock Holmes. And then we've got uh, science uh, fiction and sports and talk show and themes and radio TV themes and variety shows and westerns and Christmas. Wow. You have any Uncle Don? Uncle Don. You know, you and Fred are a piece of work. No. Walden, is there such a show that I could find? Yes, yes. You, you should be able to find some excerpts of Uncle Don. Uh, and most likely you'll find them in the radio history area. Okay, and you're talking um, Uncle Don, the radio person who entertained kitties. Correct, in New York. Uh -huh. um, okay. And he was on the uh, New York station. I think right. it was WOR, WJZ, something like that. Yep. If Uncle Don is out there, I will find him. All right. Yeah, yeah. He was really, uh, he was an everyday thing. I really enjoyed his program. Uh-huh. No, I haven't heard any. I'm, so this will be a treat for me. If I find some, I'll be able to... Sure. You can always read about Uncle Don. He's in your Radio Stars book. Yeah, but that's not the same as listening I to know. him. I know. Uncle Don. Yep. One night we're going to have... I'll, I'll start a reading. One night I will have one character that... Not character, one performer. I will read the, the short bio about. That would be fun. Yeah, oh yeah. It would be fun. Walden, that would be fun. It would be. Ralph, of it all is. the places you travel, what's the most beautiful country in the world? The most beautiful country? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I've seen a few of them, and, uh... Yeah, okay, I know you travel quite, quite I, a bit. I, I dearly loved, uh, Italy. Hmm. Italy was really, uh, right up my alley. What was special about Italy? Well, uh, I think I mentioned the other night, you know, if I had my choice, I would have been Italian. But they, they don't give you a choice. You either are or you aren't. <laughs> but I, I like the, uh, I grew up in an Italian neighborhood. Uh, like the Italian food. I, I love their language. And uh, I even married one, so... <laughs> They're my chosen people. Those are your chosen people. Well, besides red underwear, yeah. what what was there about Italy that, if you had to pick one feature, one characteristic, one quality attribute, what would it be? 
Well, I, I love the city of Florence and and the uh, the street vendors that they had there. Really? Really like that. Plus, uh, I, I went in a few of the workshops that uh, all, all the statuary that's in uh, in Rome was actually most of it was all done in in Florence. Uh huh. So, now, isn't there a couple of cities that are actually under below sea level? In Italy, uh, I thought there were. Yeah. It probably is. Yeah. Well, Naples uh, in in the city of Canals, um, some of their structures are periodically flooded. Mm -hmm. We wanted to go there, and we we actually had tickets to go there, but we were having so much fun in Florence that we we didn't go. What what were the street vendors selling? Oh, you know, knockoff uh, <laughs> handbags and <laughs> everything from soup to nuts. <laughs> really high quality stuff. No hot dogs in there, huh? No, they, they didn't have hot dogs. That they did not do hot dogs. Cannolis. Pretty good. Uh, there was a real nice pizza place right down near the Fountain of Trevi. Oh gosh, you are a rip. Yeah, we like that. Cannolis. No, they, I didn't see any over there. Oh, cannolis in Italy? I think I think it's a, it's like Chinese food. That we eat, it's not really Chinese. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Oh, I'm sure they have them, but we, we didn't hit any bakeries. What what I did bring home from there was, you know, they have beautiful doors with gorgeous uh, brass knockers on the doors. Yes, 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 yes. Went to this huge hardware store, and I brought home, I brought home this beautiful knocker for our front door uh -huh. in San Jose, and you know, I had to drill holes in the door to put this thing up, and when we moved, I took it down and patched up the door, and I got it on my front door over here. Good for you. Yeah. And, it's, you know, it's one of the things, when, when you knock with this thing, you make yourself heard. <laughs> There's no mistaking that somebody's at the door. Oh, and then, uh, what else? Oh, we brought home an espresso machine. Uh-huh. And uh, I think we paid like a hundred and fifty dollars and it took six months to get here by slow freight uh, uh recently i was in a doctor's office looking in a gourmet uh supply book uh-huh and there was one for thirteen hundred dollars wowzers the exact machine it was worth waiting for yeah it was wow but I, i'm not too good at making espresso i i tried but uh don't, don't come out just right. Okay, well, when we come for a visit and I curl up in front of the the stove or the, do you call it a stove? Yeah, we just call it a stove. Okay, well, I'm going to curl up in front of the stove and Walden can have the spare bedroom. I won't ask for espresso. All right. We can, we like can pull deal. it out. It's in the, it's in the closet. <laughs> no, I will not ask for espresso. Oh, 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 oh. And you don't make it. You don't make it well. I'm not going to ask for something that's not on the menu. Yeah, well, maybe you could make it. I don't think so. Uh -huh. I've never, I've never even had espresso. Really? Really? Oh, I love espresso. Good stuff, huh? Yeah, and you put a little, uh, you get a little uh, sambuco. What's that? It's a liqueur. Oh, okay. This is sounding better. Uh, in a lot of places, they'll bring it to you with the sambuco burning in the glass. 
This is sounding really good. Yeah, and then you, you kind of take your espresso cup and put it over there and turn get the flame gone. Uh-huh. And uh, I pour it into my uh, espresso. How nice. Have you not I, I, had... Well, maybe you could change my mind on this. This is good. It's pretty good. Oh, gosh. Okay, well, Uncle Don it is, sir. I will go out and I will look for Uncle Don. All right, yeah, I had one of his Ernest Saver banks. He had premiums? Yeah, yeah, I had a bank. It was a, what did it look like? It was an oblong uh, a cardboard cylinder uh, about three or four inches high and had a tin top and a little a little uh, metal thing in the bottom you could turn to let your, your coins out. Uh-huh. Ernest Saver. Ernest Saver. Yeah. About... What year oh, did you get that? 40, ball, ballpark. 40, 45, 46. So it would have been around the time when there was still a move on to buy war bonds, save your money, um, don't overspend. Yeah, uh, we used to Ernest buy... Paper, that would make sense. We used to buy the stamps at school. Uh-huh. When you fill the book up, you would get a uh, savings bond. Got it. Yeah, that, that was cool. And an earnest saver. And, of course, you don't have your earnest saver anymore. No, he went, he went by the wayside. Moms are so good about cleaning things out that don't belong to them, you know? Mm. And, and if I had still had all the things that I, I had accumulated during my life, we'd have to live in a much bigger house. <laughs> <laughs> right. And we'd have no antique dealers because nothing would have any value. <laughs> we'd have a market flooded with goodies. You go to antique shops and you walk around and you say, oh, we had one of them. Mm -hmm. My mother had that. Mm -hmm. I know, I know. Ah, oh, gee, my father threw that one out. Right, right. My father was a beast when it came to things like that. If it was in his way, it got thrown out. Yeah, well, I had a friend that solved the problem. He, he, he took masking tape and he uh, he made a, an area on the floor in the garage. Uh-huh. He says, you can keep whatever you want, but if it goes over that line, it goes out. So he kept his place pretty neat that way. <laughs> I guess he did. Um... Yeah, I guess that would work. Baldwin doesn't have any limitations at all. Ah. Just look for more storage. It, it solves all the problems. Again, please? You just look for more storage, that's all. You have to look for more storage, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I wouldn't be quite playing by the masking tape rules, but... Nah, that's true. You can that's sure true. hang on to a lot of stuff if you get a storage yeah. container. Yeah. This yeah. would be good. Well, okay, Ralph, um, I will go out and I will look for Uncle Don and see if he's hanging around anywhere. Yeah, yeah, do that. That would be that would be really cool. Okay. All right. I'll let you know how I make out. All right, well, I'll say goodnight to both of you. You too, Ralph. Happy New Year. Talk to you soon. Happy you New Year. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. 714-545-2071. Call Patricia at this number. She wide awake, bushy tails. She flops <laughs> so far. She flops her ears. I love to talk to you. <laughs> My ears flop too. <laughs>
This is good. Okay, we have a horsey question out there. Tell me who rode Diablo, Scar, and Silver. Two out of three will get you a CD. I think I can answer it. Oh, I know you could. Oh, okay. You're smart. No. I have a question for you, though. Just a minute. Hello there, your honor, Patricia. And another thing. Yes. I've been on hold since last night. You did? Well, that's right, Richard. You were. <laughs> you were. Well, you said your battery died on you. We were looking yeah, for you. Yeah, that's what happened. We were looking for you. Well, and, and and we didn't have another phone, Andy, so there I was. Well, you, you, fell, you fell out of the station. That's right. <laughs> Just fell off. New Year, Richard. But I didn't hear y'all saying nasty things about me, so... Oh, that's true. That. That's true. No, because we know that just because the phone is out doesn't mean your ears are broken. <laughs> We're smart. The radio kept working. Uh-huh. Okay, Diablo. Diablo. That's the Cisco Kids. That's the Cisco Kids. All right, one down. And, and of course, Silver was, was the Lone Ranger. Right. Oh, I, I, I just can't quite place it. I think when I tell you, you're going to go, oh, yeah, I remember. I'm sure I will. Mm -hmm. Well, you got two out of three, so I can send you something. Well, I know that the, the uh, Lone Ranger's nephew's horse was Victor. Right. That was very good. Well, that's... you're like Walden. I'll ask Walden a question, and and he he doesn't quite know the answer, but he'll give me seventy seven peripheral facts. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say, but that wasn't the question, Walden. That's... And he'll give me another one. I say, but that wasn't the question, Walden. <laughs> so you've got Victor, but that wasn't the question, Richard. <laughs> well, that's the old thing. If you can't, you know. I know, I know. That's um. As along with uh. Actually, you know how Victor got his name? No idea. Patricia. No. It was oh. a con it was a contest. I was uh, yeah. Go it, ahead. It was a contest. The horse knew she had a chance to pick the name of the horse. And how my. How did Victor get through the winner of all of those names? Because it came up in the movie The Christmas Story. Yeah. That's right, and... But it really was. I mean, I later heard it on the... But my dad remembers putting in, uh, into the contest in 1942, mm -hmm. and the prize was you got to win a horse. So he knew where he was going to put his horse. <laughs> but he didn't win the contest. Oh, but... now you're... Uh... The old thing about why would my parents... <laughs> no. ...dealer to, to enter the horse contest. Oh, yeah. Knew what was involved with having a horse, that's why. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... We had, we had a, a couple of shows where we talked about the Great Pony giveaway with the Edsels in 1958. Oh, yes, I wanted to. had a win-the-pony contest. Mm -hmm. They had 1,100 ponies drop-shipped to dealerships. <laughs> Eleven hundred ponies. <laughs> can you can you spell return the merchandise, boys and girls? <laughs> they had.
more ponies coming back for resale and for reclamation from the pony manufacturers. <laughs> I must have been know. having heart attacks in the SBCA. I know. And they, <laughs> and they had some ponies that died. Um, they, they had some that were inside the dealerships. And <laughs> they only smelled like they had died. Oh my gosh! You know, I mean, you talk about a new car smell. Hello, where is it? You know, but I will one night read the letter again that Ford sent out to the winners of the horsies, and it was: We know you're going to be very happy. There are a few things you might want to consider before you take this horse. It's very easy to care for a pony. However. It must be, the stalls must be mucked. He needs new hay every day. He has to be watered three times a day. He has to be fed, curried, combed. But it's very easy to take care of a pony. And that was only one out of eight. <laughs> I was very fortunate in that I had some little friends that had horses and ponies. Ah, so you got to ride. Enough of that to realize that I didn't really want a horse or a pony. A dog was a lot easier. Uh-huh. You didn't. All you had to do was walk a dog. You could not necessarily just walk a pony. You're right. Well, I mean, we lived in a little bitty town. You didn't even have to walk the dog. Just make sure he didn't attack the neighbor's chickens. <laughs> did you ever find out if chickens scratch forward or backwards? Yes, we did. Now, see, now you're... What is the answer? You weren't with us earlier. Now, see, you're giving yourself away. They scratch and then walk backward to see what they have scratched. They can't. Oh, yeah. They can't see their feet, so they scratch and then back up and see what they've unearthed. That's pretty smart. Well, they they like to, you know, eat stuff that they scratch up and. Yeah, but they couldn't sit. They travel and and. But I didn't know that until Ralph sent me an email and Dan Bays in Indiana sent me a YouTube video showing a chicken scratching. I have a friend who has a hen that crows like a rooster. Gets up in a tree and crows like a rooster. This is an identity problem. <laughs> yeah, and she lays eggs and everything. I mean, she's a, she knows she's a hen, but... And they have roosters, but apparently she doesn't think the roosters do a good enough job of crowing. Uh-huh. Well, you know, we've all known people in our lives who are like that. Oh, I've known many women like that. Uh, well, I, I sort of we avoid go there. Work. Yeah. We won't go there. I, I hope I never become one of them. <gasps> oh. I missed your, your earlier show. I was watching Jaws on television. And uh, then I come in here and y'all in, and you're talking about sharks. Uh huh. I couldn't get away from the sharks. Dum 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 dum. Oh yeah, so my wife still in there watching Jaws too, and then they're gonna have Jaws: The Revenge or whatever. I think there's four Jaws movies, and they have them all tonight. Oh, I, I didn't know that. I think. Well, in in the movie Jaws, the greatest line. And you have to tell me who the actor was, the sheriff, who saw the shark come up at the back of the boat, and he came into the captain, and he said, got to need a bigger need a, boat. Need a bigger boat. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Just dead. Boy, Shider. Yes, 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 thank you. 
Thank you. I think we need a bigger boat. This 98-foot monster shows up in the water, and it makes their boat look like a canoe, for goodness sakes. So that was a good line. But yeah. That was spooky. Uh, I mean, that, that, that scared me. Aircraft carrier comes to mind. <laughs> Pardon? You're looking at a shark that big. I know. Um, you know, we, 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 we would be hors d'oeuvres for a shark that size. Oh, yeah. I was on a pier one night when a fella caught a, I don't know, about a seven or eight footer, and it seemed big enough. Mm-hmm. And he actually uh, got off onto the beach and pulled it out of the surf. Wow. And... Uh, isn't that spooky? Yeah, it really was. Yep. Blue McEachern. Not fun. Okay, well, Richard, you know your horses, so that means I can send you something. How about some Fred Allen? How about it? I've got Fred Allen. Allen. Master Allen. Yes, we can do Fred Allen. Why do these people, when they worked with their wives, I mean, Portland Hoffa. Uh-huh. I mean, it and Ma- never seemed like Livingston. he was his wife in the show. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, what's her name with, uh, with uh, oh, the guy that always act, Jack Benny. And right. Yeah, Mary Livingston and Jack Benny. Yeah. Was he and Harriet? Fibber McGee and Molly? Well, Fibber McGee and Molly, they... You know, they were obviously married, mm-hmm. and Ozzie and Harriet were. The, the, the weird thing was that you never knew what Ozzie did for a living. I don't think Ozzie knew either. And I, you know, I would ask my parents, they'd say, well, he, he's a band leader. Yeah. But you never see him do, you know, he never goes uh, well, out. Then, was there ever any time on the show when reference was made to his background in band and jazz? Not when they went into the comedy routine, no. No. I thought they had mentioned it. Uh, maybe it was on television one time that mm. they mentioned he was um, a band leader. Did you know that at one time he was the youngest person to ever be an Eagle Scout? No. Yes. It doesn't it surprise me that you know that. I mean, that's like... You know, all polar bears are left-handed. <laughs> I never knew that until Patricia brought that up. I didn't. I didn't know. By the way, uh, 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 we left pod. The otters are all right-handed. Huh? <laughs> that's, that's why. Well, you know, last night Patricia was wondering if all. Let's see, what, what, what breed of dog? Oh, it was a yellow lab. My sister sent a video of two yellow labs sliding down a hill. And they would run back up the hill and they'd slide back on snow. They were Oh, I remember that. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing was that almost without exception, there were probably two from a single dog, two times that it broke stride, they slid on their left sides down the hill. Hmm. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, they flopped over one side, flopped over the other side. Both of them just would lay over on their left side, and down the hill they went. They were having a wonderful time. I mean, it was like two little kids. Now, playing. my dog, who Pardon? is a uh, poodle, 
allegedly. Uh, if he sleeps on his side, he almost always sleeps on his left side. Hmm. But he usually sleeps in the middle <laughs> with his legs out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's acceptable. It's a little on the goofy side. And speaking yeah. of yellow labs, my daughter-in-law has a bulldog who apparently made very good friends with a yellow lab who was visiting the neighborhood. Very good friends, I take it. Yes. And we are trying to envision what the puppies were. <laughs> Yellow labs. <laughs> Yellow bulldogs. Look like a white brindled, brindled bulldog. Pretty good sized one. My sister had an adorable little dog when when she was young. His 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 mother was a beagle and his father was a sheepdog. <laughs> came out. I mean, he came out like a sheepdog beagle. He was the size of a beagle, and he had a woo woo like a beagle. But he was all fluffy. He was just all fur. He was so cute. Well, I don't. I don't know. This bulldog is is tremendously. He weighs about fifty or sixty pounds. Oh my goodness! And he's tremendously affectionate. That's a horse. And he wants to be in your lap at all oh, times. And he's um, he's he's flatulent. Oh dear. Yes, which is one of the reasons why you don't really want him in your lap. But he um, he will also sit in a chair, a small chair, like a child. Okay. And and observe the world. They will they will put him in the kitchen with uh, uh, the little kids' gates there. Uh huh. Don't stop the kids, but slow down the dog. And he will sit. He will pull a chair up to one of those and sit up in it. Uh, and and put his legs up on top of the his four legs on the uh, uh, gate and observe what's going on in the rest of the house. And I had no idea a bulldog could be that big. Yeah. Fortunately, he is, you know, he's, he's very sweet. But... Uh, sweet 60 pounds with teeth. Oh, God, he's ugly. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. But he's he's getting to be easy easier to handle. He he has a um, it's kind of they call it a kennel. I don't know what it originally was. It was some sort of piece of furniture that's got bars around it. <laughs> Get in that. Uh, a jail. Yeah, <laughs> and you know you'll forget that he's there, except you know he'll start snoring or something else and you'll either hear him or detect that he's there but uh, he's a good dog but I don't know what his offspring are going to look like with this golden lab and the golden lab lives in Wyoming so I mean she's from up in the 
the wild country, son. There's going to be some devil dogs reported in Wyoming, I suspect, <laughs> in a few months. Well, you're not you're not likely to hear from the Golden Labs mommy and daddy, I don't think. Well, we you're may. In, <laughs> you're in Texas, and they went to Wyoming. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the you, owner the owner's parents live in Texas. I uh, is this an AKC is this an AKC dog? I think so. Oh boy! <laughs> oh my goodness! I think you sort of high rent hunting dog or something, you know. Uh huh. Well, <laughs> but oh you know my. when the urge comes, the urge comes. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, if she were available. Somebody has to take responsibility for not having her confined. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, I suppose the grandparents, as you would call them. <laughs> That's right. You're going to be a grandpa. <laughs> sure. I rather doubt they told the young man <laughs> what happened to his dog while he was, he, he had left to go someplace. Oh, my. Friends. And I'm not sure that they informed him, so he may have an interesting surprise. Uh-huh. As Molly would say, oh, dear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, Walden's favorite experience. You guys are making me such fans of Fibber McGee and Molly. Really? Oh, that's good. And did y'all ever tell me what Fibber's real name was, or is that his real name? Well... It depends on which show you listen to, but I will give you the date of the show. There was one where he wanted to change his name to, was it Ronald? Yes. And Molly asked him, well, let me see, I'll, I'll get it for you. Hold on. Molly asked him, how did you ever get a name like Fibber anyway? And he said he was supposed to have been named after his cousin, Fimmer, F-I-M-M-E-R. But the uh, minister who baptized him had a head cold. <laughs> and that was one explanation, which I thought was great. That was, that was really a great piece of writing. Okay, let's see. Two, 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 two. Uh, I will give you the date. Hold on. Don't go away. <laughs> Fibber, 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 Fibber was his real name. Got the name by accident. He did take ribs for his fibs, and he was sure to be a shoe-in winner for the January 1st, 1946 episode of the Toll Story Contest, but in Fibber changes his name from March 25th, 1941, Molly asks, how on earth did your parents ever come to call you Fibber in the first place? His answer was, they didn't. I was named after my fourth cousin, Walpole... J. Fimmer, but the minister that christened me had a cold in his head. And that's how he wound up with Fibber instead of Fimmer. But there is another show in which he is called Fibber because he's a tall storyteller. Well, that makes more sense. And that would be a nickname for him. I don't know that we ever... Walden, do you ever recall hearing a show where there was... Another real honest-to-goodness Ronald Donald McDonald type thing named nope. for him? Nope. That, 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 you, you found the one that I know of. This is the only one? Yeah, the only one. So anyway, I came across that one, and I thought it was pretty good, and I should get two gold stars, and that's where he got his name. 
I think you sh should indeed get two gold stars. Really? Oh, cool. Okay. If I had a gong, I would ring it. <laughs> oh, well, I, Walden has all sorts of sound effects and gongs tonight. He's got good stuff. Yeah, we'll see here. What do we got? Yeah. What do we got here? We can, we, we'll play this. Congratulations, Patricia. Good enough. Good enough. That'll Bye. work. <laughs> That'll work. Okay, well, Richard, I will dig out my Fred Allen, and I'm so glad you asked for him because not very many people have, and I've got this wonderful file of, full of Fred Allen, and I will get you some Fred Allens. The different characters. I love Titus Moody. And oh, yeah. Titus Moody, right. Is... And who is the Senator Flaghorn? Oh, Senator. Flaghorn. Senator Claghorn. Claghorn, Okay. And yeah, Mrs. And is busy as a pump handle at a temperance picnic. Oh yes. Uh huh. And we had Mrs. Nussbaum. Mrs. Nussbaum. Now, so much of his stuff is topical that. Um, a lot of it is, yes, political especially. Yeah, it helps if you've delved into the history of that era, which of course I have. So. Uh, oh, so this is really good for you. Okay. A lot of yucks out of that. That. Other people might go, whoa. Yeah. You know? Um, I, have, I have this thing when I come across something like that. I go digging. And so I find out about the reference. When they make a topical reference or a comment about a president or a vice president, I'll go out and look for the information. And then All I the old jokes about Judge Crater. Oh, my goodness, yes. Nobody ever found he poor Judge. He was a judge that just went out That's one they dug up half of Coney Island looking for him on a tip not very long ago. And never never came back. Nope. He just went. Never found him. But really, they had a tip a couple of years ago that he, that he was buried out in Coney Island under the boardwalk or near the boardwalk. And I'm they, wondering when they're going to dig up Giant Stadium looking for... Uh, looking for Jimmy Hoffa. Hoffa. <laughs> right. I, would say, I think that was Met Stadium. Wasn't it Met Stadium? I don't know. They had a thing on Mythbusters about it in in the Giant Stadium. Giant Stadium. Uh, well, they would know, not I. Rutherford, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And uh, never, never found Jimmy Hoffa either. Richard, how in the world did you get into the writing field? What? How did you got into the newspaper business? Um, it was a combination of uh, of. Uh, Second year algebra and mechanical drawing. That would do it for me too. <laughs> I, I was I was going to be an engineer. Uh -huh. Always always thought I'd be an engineer. And then, uh, but I but I also liked newspapers and writing and stuff like that. And uh, one semester. took mechanical drawing and I was so bad that my teacher took me aside and told me that he would give me a D if I would promise never to take that class again. <laughs> I love that. I swear. Yeah, I, I understand. I'll tell you why in a minute. <laughs> you know, I agreed. I, I think 
I think my problem was we, we were mainly reproducing drawings from a workbook, and I thought my drawings looked neat enough, but I think I had a tendency to get the left hand, the left side of the drawing from one page and the right side from another page. You didn't stay inside the lines is what happened. Well, I think I was drawing things that couldn't exist. You know, like those drawings of, of things that are squares and rectangular on one side and then uh -huh. the other side, it turns out to be cylinders, you know, and it's something impossible or stairs that suddenly start going upside down and things. Mm -hmm. So then I needed something to take in place of mechanical drawing and I took a journalism course and uh, and I fell in love with it. Sounds like a winner to me. Pretty soon I was the editor of the high school paper and then I went on to university and I became the editor of that paper and then, you know, I was just led astray. And I, uh, you know, I discovered some writers that I really liked and I was, uh, it ruined my life. But uh, I'm recovering. <laughs> I'm really glad. Is the rest of the world recovering? I, th I think it survived it. It did well. I think it survived it. I, I managed never to get sued in all those years. That's and, pretty uh, good. And uh, never, uh, I was threatened a few times with physical violence, but. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Nobody actually, you know, shot at me or beat me up or anything, but there were a few threats. I had strange people show up at my doorstep at 2 a.m. and, uh, you know, a few little adventures here and there, but uh, I made it okay. Would that be more common in a small-town paper? Um... I don't know. It may be. Mm -hmm. uh, I worked in very small papers and very big ones, mm -hmm. and uh, the the worst ones I got were from small towns. But I was working for a very big paper, uh, but it was from small towns. Was it more fun to work for a small paper or a big paper? Maybe more fun to work for a small paper, but certainly more, uh, it paid better to work for a big one. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so on payday, it was much better to work for the big one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's a shame. It, it is a true pity what's become of newspaper journalism in this country. Um, and I love the Internet, but the Internet has made it so that everybody thinks they're a reporter. You noticed. And they're not. <laughs> and everybody is a writer because they can make out a laundry list. That's true. Mm-hmm. John D. McDonald. I, I've heard people say that the writing is, I mean, you have very few uh, newspaper reporters who say when they retire, they're going to become a brain surgeon. 
But you have a lot of brain surgeons that say when they retire, they're going to write a book. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, some do, and some do well. But just not everybody can do it. I heard you say when you were talking about teaching writing that you can't really teach creative writing, but you can teach a lot of the... Uh, um, techniques and the basics and what works, what doesn't work, um, that, how to plot. Oh, that, yeah. Little leave that? People don't think of, like in, in newspaper articles, when you're quoting somebody, you say, they said. Mm-hmm. Not they exclaimed or they baptized <laughs> or, or, yeah. But almost always you just say, they said, or in such mm-hmm. said. and the reason you do that is that when people read it, they just slide right past that. That's exactly right. Another word there, they trip over it. They have mm-hmm. to think about it. But if you the thing that slows the eye or jolts people along the way is death to a piece of writing. Yeah, that's yeah, a very small thing. But it's a big thing when you're reading. Yeah. Reading end, it's a huge thing. What's the most difficult beat in the newspaper business? Well, the one that I detested the most and and had to do from time to time from the beginning to the end was police beat. Hmm. Really? Yeah, I I just didn't I didn't care for it. Although, you know, I got a lot of my biggest headlines through that. Uh just because um, so often you're dealing with folks that are afraid to tell you anything, and and it can be very difficult to find the simplest thing. Yeah. And uh, and you only get part of the story. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Now, of course, sometimes, like, you know, it can be terribly interesting, and I've worked on a lot of big cases and stuff. And um, What I enjoyed the most were, like, profiles of people and, and uh, you know, interesting. I remember you talking about that one night. Yeah. They're fun. Why do you yeah. enjoy writing? You get, you get to ask a lot of people a lot of questions and do it without seeming to be rude. You get to be the asker. Well, I guess the things that I that I really dreaded the most was having to talk to somebody who had had something terrible happen to somebody in their family. And I was very good at that. Uh, but I hated it. Uh, such as talking to parents of soldiers that were killed in Iraq or wherever, mm-hmm. and uh, and I've done that more times than I would care to say. And you feel like you're intruding, and you are, and you're rubbing salt into the wounds, but you're also making this person real. And people need to know that, you know, this was a real person and a a person of value. Uh, 
and the families were generally very, very, very nice about it. Uh, and quite often I was the first reporter that they talked to. And uh, that can that can be tough. Now the advantage of a newspaper reporter is that you're not sticking a television camera in their face. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's harder on people. But um, sometimes it's folks that you know, don't want to tell you about their kid. You know, maybe their kid committed a terrible crime. Uh, had a few of those. <laughs> yeah. I tracked down a guy in Beaumont who was on the witness protection program. And uh, he was fine, but his son came to live with him and committed and created a one-man crime spree. Uh-oh. was apparently trying to become the world's greatest burglar, but he hadn't quite become the world's greatest because the cops found him. And then I had to go ask the father about that. And I got a really good interview from him all the time, him telling me that he wasn't going to tell me anything. And he stood there for about... Oh, 45 minutes telling me all kinds of juicy stuff. So that was great. Way to go. Well, Richard, Fred Allen is going to be in your mailbox as soon as I can get him into the mail. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. We will expect an evaluation of Fred's work. I have to do an evaluation? (laughs) You have to call back and say these are good shows, these are bad shows, or gosh, they're just like I expected. Well, you're still pawning those terrible shows off on people. Yeah, I am. I am. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, Fred Allen is a good choice. So. You, have, you do have a dark side, Patricia. I mean, yeah. Well, I think everybody does. <laughs> mine, mine just comes out with sparkles on it. Well, what kind of things did you write about besides old-time radio? I never wrote about old-time radio. What did you write about? I was primarily, well, I actually had two areas. One was magazine article writing, so the field was wide open. I mean, I just covered everything. And the second was uh, marketing, public relations, advertising, So it was, it was, and a lot of business writing. So I was on the business side for a while, and my first love is over on the magazine side. What magazines? What magazines? Yeah. A- any. <laughs> I, mean, um, I, I probably, if I, if I went back and started counting up, it was probably a couple of hundred magazines I did work for. And some Sunday supplements and things like that. And, and things like that there, as Fibber would say. Field and things Stream like or... Uh, beg your pardon? Field and Stream or... Uh, no, never, never sports, never sports. Uh-uh. No. Well, you know, that's not really true because I did a fair amount of golf writing. So oh. I just I just told the world that I was involved in an S word. <laughs> Walden, you were supposed to protect me from stuff like that. You're right. You're right. Gee whiz. Patricia's really, uh, Patricia's really a, a golf expert now the bag is out. No, 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 no. She could just make people believe that she was. 
<laughs> I have that as learning the lingo. I know. I know. It is. And, and pretend that you know what they're talking about until you can go home and look it up. Yeah. I did a couple of golf-related stories, and that's what I had to do. Yeah, and it, it was pretty good. You know, I got to meet um, a fair number of pros. But So anyway, we we got to say Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Richard. Happy New Year to you, dear. Oh, look at that. Um, in, uh, oh, it's what already are your up. resolutions for the year? What are your... I don't, have any, I don't have any resolutions. What are your goals for the year? I don't have any goals. Survival is a goal. <laughs> hey, nowadays, really? that's pretty good. How about you, Walden? Oh, just trying to get things off the ground. I'm working on uh, business ventures and things to uh, help the old-time radio hobby out, so hopefully I can jumpstart a few of those in 2011. So, so he's he's a goal person. I am I am really a, a goal set oriented. I'm one of those guys who let's see Thursday afternoon. You know I'm gonna take a couple of days off. I want to make sure I uh, get everything done for next week. So I wrote down 45 things I want to make sure I do next week. I, I, I sort of run my life that way. I'm really a goal oriented set of kind of guy. You're an inspiration to oh, it. Oh, thanks, Richard. But He'll keep as long as we don't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it all to him. Richard, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, dear. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Richard. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. And there's our good friend Richard from Richardson. 714. From Richardson. 714-545-2071. And I've got stuff. I I was sending out hoots tonight, and I didn't get to send out my hoots. Can I send out my hoots? Send out your hoots. What are your hoots? My, my hoots are Nato, Cassie Zagel up in New York, yep. Dice, and John Gardner we have not heard from for quite a while. Hello there. You're on with Patricia. So you have sound effects? I sure do. Well, I got sound effects, too. I know. I, I got sound effects for for Christmas. Did you really? Like for example, Walden. Yeah. I just press the button. <laughs> you got that same one. Or then, you, you, did then, you did you have this? And now here's Ron from Hawaii. Well, then I got one here's. Walden and Patricia. I have no sound effects here. Or, or, or uh, Walden, yeah, Walden. Yeah, yeah. Here, um, let's see, how's it? <laughs> oh, gosh, this is too much. Uh, it's the same note. I know. Uh-oh. Hey, listen. Yeah. Oh, it's like, um, how was your New Year's? Did you come home sober and you go... <laughs> Ron! <laughs> that you? <laughs> Did you do that? Well, anyway, all right, all right. That's enough of that. Oh, goodness. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Here you are. As you can see, we didn't have... I know, I know. We got the same toy, Patricia, as you can tell. We we were deprived. (laughs) 
we walk around the streets and we go, you know, and stuff like that. So. Well, you, and stuff like that there. You're making up for lost time. Yeah, that's true. Hey, listen, my Patricia, my friends last night, really, they were thrilled that, that you guys um, were nice enough to call and uh, put us on the Internet. We were just so excited that you did it. Who was singing? Everybody. There was about like about... They were great. There were about 20, 25 of them that stood up and sang. And oh, my goodness. They were really good. They sounded like a choir over here. They just enjoyed themselves. They, they just loved to sing and stuff. And so. What a nice group of people. Yeah, we had, we had a good time. And uh, so we, were, we felt like it was a... And it was a historical event that we were on the internet. And you know, I think our goal is to get ourselves on Skype so that when we go next year and contact Walden, because Walden has Skype, right, Walden? You bet. I got Skype so we can go coast to coast and studio quality. Yeah, when you go on Skype, man, the sound quality is different. It's yeah. It's really, it's full. You it's, know, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. That's what and it's free. I could never understand that, um, but they tell me it is free. It is free. Yeah. I've been hearing rumbles that it's not going to be free forever. It's like Hulu is going to subscriptions now. Hulu is a site that shows television shows and movies, mm -hmm. and it used to be everything free, but everything is not free any longer. There was a survey they read that they asked, um, and I can't believe this number. They asked the people who are used to internet, how many people are willing to pay for services or do pay for services, and give me the percentage of what you think of people who pay for services on the internet is. It depends on on what you're talking about in terms of services. Just, anything? Yeah, like yeah anything. Anything. Just anything at all. Uh huh. I I would guess the number is probably eighty five percent. They said two thirds. Well, I wasn't too far off that. Yeah, you're really good. Really? I, I think I'm, it's probably higher than that because if you start taking away services or make or restricting services to pay only, mm -hmm. I think you're going to woo an awful lot of people well, out of their wallets. Yeah, I think they're talking to pe about, especially for people who are paying to read things on the internet. And I'm surprised. I think a lot of us are still looking around looking for the free new paper, free thing to read. Oh, sure. Rather than to pay for it. Yeah. The New York Times sent up a trial balloon with pay-for-services. Mm -hmm. They gave you basic information, basic articles, but for things like the editorials, the editorial staff editorials, you had to pay for, mm. and nobody did. Like, so for they, example, you know, Live 365, mm -hmm. uh -huh. there is a free, um, you know, stations, mm -hmm. and there's what they call a VIP stations. Right. VIP, you have to pay, and they'll, they'll pay. allow you not to listen to ads. They'll give you better service. And we pay about, like, um, almost $70 for a whole year for VIP um, live. You pay for the VIP. What huh? What do you, what then, I'm, I'm surprised that you pay for the VIP. What well, did they, got, they got several old-time radio sites on VIP. And they got several jazz stations on VIP. They got all kinds of um, genres on VIP that, you know, we, we, we just subscribe to because we love the certain kind of genres. That 
How many different radio stations do you think you listen to on the on internet? Uh, I, I, there's no way. I you know, I really cannot say. Yeah. Yeah. I, re I really cannot say. I mean, they say there's fifteen thousand old time, fifteen thousand radio stations on the internet. Really? Fifteen thousand. I can believe that. You know. You know they're counting all sizes, but sure, I can believe that when you're looking at an international broadcasting system. You know, I used to listen to Radio Australia on shortwave, mm -hmm. and I thought that was very impressive. You know, interesting yeah. and stuff. Man, I mean, now on my iPhone or my <laughs> Wi-Fi radio, Radio Australia comes in like we're listening to KNX or something. Yeah. They basically have said that the internet have put out a lot of stations out of the shortwave business. You don't have as many stations on shortwave now. They don't. They don't. You're yeah. right. They don't. Because why would why would you want to listen to a little staticky shortwave radio when you can hear it clear the bell on it on the internet? Yeah. No? Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's the only problem. And you know, I was surprised that there are a lot of old time radio sites. I didn't realize that they have that many on there. Yeah, there's 965, that's 95 of them. And as you said, there's several of them you can't listen to until you're a VIP. But, uh, uh, but that's a great deal, 95 of them. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. And, um, I mean, before, who would have thought that there would be that many uh, sites on, of old-time radio shows? But, you know, I'm... Like you guys are great because you folks have live calling yeah. shows seven days a week. I know. Somebody gotta be awake. Yeah. Did you? Somebody's at the, somebody's at the switches, Ron. Somebody. Do you know how broadcasting on the internet got started? Not really. Do you, Patricia? No. Here, you want to know the story? Outside how of government. We want to hear here's the rest the, of the Here's the rest of the story. The rest of the story. All right. We want to hear the rest of the story. <laughs> a gentleman in Texas um, was a big college basketball fan. He loved the Indiana Hoosiers so much, but he was living in Texas. And he, so he came up with the idea to call his friend back in Indiana and said, Will you put the, put the game on the radio and hook it up to the, uh, the Internet? And that way I can listen to the game. So they did it, and then his more, he, so he started to build a whole internet service. Wow. And... Well, how he, did they... Oh, never mind. Go ahead. I don't, I'm not sure the technical part, how did they must have streamed the... He, he must have been a computer guy at the time to figure out how could they take a radio station, put it on a telephone, like a, like a loudspeaker telephone, and he could turn on his computer and, and hear it. Well... He called Bill Bragg up and asked Bill, hey, you know, this thing's starting to span. I need some satellite dishes. So the guy went ahead, Bill went down and installed his satellite dishes in Texas. And he started to span the, his company called Broadcast.com. And the gentleman's name was Mark Cuban. So Mark convinced Bill, why don't you come work for me? And Bill said, nah, I don't see how this is going to go anywhere. And he said, but I'll make you a deal. I'll put these out this game that I can broadcast on your broadcast.com. And this was 1996 or so. And Mark said, sure. Well, the early 2000s, 
uh, Yahoo bought him out for at least a billion dollars. And he gave every single employee a million dollar bonus. <laughs> and he wound up buying the Dallas Mavericks basketball team. So that's how broadcasting on the internet got started. So poor Bill Bragg, if he didn't, if he turned down a job, would accept a job, could have gotten a million dollar bonus. Oh well. That's how it all came about. Gosh. Well, you know, internet radio is such a such a wonderful. Um, I well, it's still to me a luxury because you know um, we never had it before and. I mean, it's so, so wonderful to be able to to listen to stuff. Well, now, how did you come across? Did, did you how did how did you first got your Wi-Fi? Was that a well, gift? There were, you know, there's a um, there's a program, and they were advertising it from Sea Crane Radio. Yep. Sea Crane Radio is located in California. Yep. And Sea uh, Crane Radio was advertising these um, internet radios, mm-hmm. and the unfortunate thing um, more than about internet radios is that it doesn't talk, meaning somebody who can see have to set up for you, you know. Okay, okay. But the good part about my internet radio, mm-hmm. it can it can hold in memory okay. 99 radio stations, whereas many of them can only hold six, you mm-hmm. know, or, or, you know, not that, that as many as 99. Mm. So... You, who's going to listen to all 99 stations? So you pick all the favorite ones you want mm-hmm. on your internet Wi-Fi radio. And then um, you, like, for example, Gail, my wife set up for me where I know exactly what buttons to push to get yesterday USA and what button to push to get KNX News mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Because I, when I lived in L.A., KFI and KNX, KBC were some of my favorite radio stations, you know. And well, so... Why did you move to L.A.? Why did you leave the island? Was it for... Because I had to work. I mean, you had to I, work. I uh-huh. was offered to uh, play piano in some of the clubs in L.A., like on Sunset Strip and downtown Chinatown and, and places of that sort. So I lived in L.A. for almost a year and nine months, and I loved it in L.A., and I, I fell in love with several radio stations. And so when the internet came, when my Wi-Fi radio came, uh, I programmed it so that I could feel at home by listening to KNX, <laughs> KABC, and yeah. KFWB, and some of these nice L.A. stations. Sure. And, and, and so that's how I got hooked up with Wi-Fi radios and stuff. And I... And Wi-Fi radios, you, you, as long as you have a router, you can put it anywhere in your house. You know, Very you can nice. take it to yeah. the living room, the dining room, the bedroom, wherever you want. You know, so that that's how come I got. And then uh, my friend, by accident, found yesterday USA. Um, he lives in San Jose. We're looking for old genres. Mm-hmm. We pushed an old-time radio, mm-hmm. and we found that's how we got. This sound like you guys are one happy family. I, <laughs> I said, when you're an old, uh, old time, 
old radio show collector, you know, you kind of fall into a category of being one happy family, you know, and stuff. And so they were quite impressed with um, my relationship with uh, Patricia and Walden. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was quite fun. They were all, I was telling Walden this morning, Patricia, that they're all on pins and needles waiting for the cell phone of mine to ring. Correct. All the deals I ever had with him was always that way. And you know, can't think how many times he must have done that at that Lone Ranger routine. Thousands and thousands. Oh yeah. And he and it was okay. Mm-hmm. He was happy to be asked, which just blows me away. Mm-hmm. Some you know, some people would say, "No, nah, I've done it too many times mm-hmm. already. Just mm-hmm. play the just play the recording." Mm-hmm. And you can hear it on a recording. But he didn't. didn't care to do it live. So I'm sure he got some tapes played, you know, and stuff. But not him. He said, I'll be more than happy to read it for you and do it for you. And and he did it with all that exuberance, you know. I was quite impressed. 
Well, anyway. The regret is that I never got to talk with him or interview him. What a loss to all of us. By the way, did, uh, Walden told me that you were a nurse before. I was, yeah. Did a million years the, ago. Watching General Hospital or what? Or Marcus Welby or... <laughs> what does General Hospital have? Help me with this. You asked me if I watched General Hospital? You have to get your degree in nursing. No. But in General Hospital, a hospital show? <laughs> yeah, it was. It, I think it was a daytime soap opera. Actually. Hospital. I don't know. It was a crummy show. It really was. I mean, it was. Oh. I mean, it, it dealt with human, you know, kind of nursing kind of thing. I think it would be a great, but I was more like a, well, I don't, know, I don't know how to describe General Hospital. But it's only a joke. I, I didn't. I, That's okay. It's ridiculous. That's okay. It went over my head. Yeah. How tall are you? <laughs> I'm five foot six, so it, it pushed it. Five foot eight, I guess. <laughs> You're that tall? Yeah. Oh five six? And I'm the little kid in my family. I've got two brothers who are well over six feet, and my sister is 5'8 or 5'9. So I'm the little kid. Yeah, you're 5 feet 6? Oh, okay. Yeah, Good. I'm the baby. You are. Well, that's nice to know. <laughs> I'm... Yeah, okay, anyway. So, you're, you're, you, you, and why, why did you quit being a nurse? Because I went to be a writer. Uh, you didn't enjoy I, being That's a what writer. I wanted to do. I spent 10 years in nursing, but most of it was in administration, and um, it was not for me. I mean, I had a department with 750 people in it. And I wanted to be a writer, so I, I went and I did be a writer. Uh, well, and you're happier doing that, right? I'm I'm happy being a writer. Yeah. Well. Where I belong, truly. It it it's where I belonged all along, and nursing was just kind of a a pit stop, I guess. I don't know what else you would call it. But... Well, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, all my friends are happy that you're happy. Oh, that's funny. Wait, so that was your sound effect I was listening to. Uh huh. Not Walden's. Okay, we, we'll get his up next. So, yes, writing is where I needed to be, writing is where I wanted to be, and writing is where I wound up. So I'm, I'm really very, very fortunate that I wound up in a profession where I wanted to be. Patricia knew what she wanted to be when she was six years old. That's right. Six years old? Uh-huh. How long ago was that? Nah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you rascal. <laughs> You, the two of you are rascals. Oh, okay, okay. Well, anyway, it was nice talking to the two of you. And and let me tell you, I, I tell you, I really feel that we're one happy family. I think we are one very large family. When Walden and I talk during the week, I'll say, well, so-and-so from our family called. Mm -hmm. Or right. have, you heard, uh, have you heard from this one from our family? Yeah, that's a good description of who... You know, the one that belongs to our family, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff huh? like that. That's a good way of describing who called and yeah. who didn't uh, call or whatever. Yeah, it's the truth. 
Yeah, well, anyway, well, we'll uh, we'll do it again someday when maybe on a on a east on another occasion, Christmas Eve or whatever, we'll sing Melikaliki Maka. All right, Maka. You did it right. Melikaliki Maka. Now, what does it mean? Merry Christmas. <gasps> Melikaliki Maka. I have to write this one down. Melikaliki Maka. Melikaliki. M E L E. Mele, K A, L I, K I, M A K. Mele Kaliki Maka. Do you know I was one letter off? I had it spelled correctly except for one letter. Wow. I'm good. Yeah, you're good. I oh mean, you boy, could, I'm you could live in Hawaii and you'd get along real well because you can spell. <laughs> it's a requirement. Oh, see, I guess the people are flying you. You're so good, you know. You two are a hoot tonight. <laughs> well, we we have to share a new toy. Yeah, I know. All right, how did you get yours? My uncle Jim, the, ret uh, the retired four-star general, he and his wife sent it to me on Christmas, Christmas, Christmas Day. They live in Florida, so there it was in the mail. They said, my friend said this, she saw it in a catalog, and she thought about me because she knows I like novelty, ah. novelty toys and stuff, and so how come she sent, she sent it, she gave it to me for Christmas, and... What a wonderful gift, that is really fun. You know, for people like me and Walden who just love to uh, play crap, <laughs> it is wonderful. There you go. Yep. Sounds like George Burns and Gracie Allen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, well, it was nice talking to you. And hopefully, Patricia, when you walk past me down the street and you hear, <laughs> you know who that is. <laughs> it's the pinup girl That's coming. Nice. There you go. What well, a hoot you, um, you are. You are really funny. Well, we we are in 2011, so we'll make sure that we have a good year ahead, okay? I do have a question for you. What's the question? Melikaliki Maka is Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. What is Happy New Year? Haole Maka Hiki Ho. Haole Haole Maka Hiki Ho. Help me with the spelling on that one. I'm going to mess it up. Oh. H. You know what? I gotta go find that out too. <laughs> oh, Ole. Uh, H a o l e. Ole. Makahikyo. Mak. M a k a. H i. K i h o. Do they teach Hawaiian in the school system or not? In Kamehameha, at Kamehameha High School, they do it. Okay. Hawaiian. There's a Hawaiian Immersion School, and there's a school called Kamehameha after King Kamehameha, and they uh, teach Hawaiian. I, I have another question for you. Go ahead. I sent you, a long time ago, I sent you two songs, and you were hopeful that you could find some. Right, I got it. I still have it. I got to give it to my friend who really knows how to translate Hawaiian, and I, I got to give it to him. I still have it in my drawing, and I will give it to him, I promise. 
That's okay. I just wanted to know. Oh, I still have it. Found I have it. If, yeah, I got because yeah, I, I really want to know. It's really very pretty music, but I don't know what they're singing. I'll find out. I It'd be something think. awful. It'd be awful. Yeah. I don't think so. We'll find out. Hey, well, happy New Year to the two of you, and and we love you from Hawaii. Who I love you. And Same here, Juan. We'll we'll get together again, okay? Sounds great. So un until we run into each other, we say. Aloha. 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 There he goes. I did that. Aloha. You're getting it. You're getting your second language all down pat. I know. Gee whiz. As long as it's spelled out in front of me, I can do this. This is good. Uh, Patricia is bilingual now. So if, if you need her, to, if you need her to talk in uh, Hawaiian, just give her a call. Right. Yes. Now, I, now I have two things that I wrote down. So well, well, if you ask me those two things, then I, well, then I'll do fine. We're, we're, doing, <laughs> we're doing a building block here. Teach Patricia a new a new a Hawaiian word every phone call. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Help her vocabulary. Help her vocabulary. Yes, I have a hard enough time <laughs> keeping up with English. My goodness, what a difficult language we have. Okay, David Beto, Casey Zagel, Cliff Dice, and John Gardner. Those are the people we need to hear from. Mm. Yeah, we got a call from Rich in New Jersey yesterday. Mm -hmm. I got an, I got the email from Dan Bays. I told you that, and yep. one from Ray Mitchell. So Good. all our friends in that little group are accounted for. All right, three down, four to go. Yes, and I did get an answer back. Are, are we back into Fibber, McGee, and Molly? That's what I hear. Oh, okay. Well, I got an email back from Mr. Schultz, Claire Schultz. Oh, yes. Has on the air with Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Mm -hmm. And I asked him about the character Silly Watson. And boy, did he have some information. And, by the way, Silly Watson was a character all the way through until Marion came back in April of 1939. April 18th, 1939. Which yeah. I find astounding. He was there for... Almost four years. Uh, for three and a half, almost four years. Yeah. And I don't recall hearing him that often, but there are a lot of shows that are missing from that, that period. time period. Yeah. So I'm guessing he might be in there because I've, I've listened, I think I've listened to all of them, and I don't remember hearing him, but just a few times. Okay, so here's my answer. All right. Let's go for all it. right. This is from Mr. Schultz. Hugh Studebaker, who played Silly Watson, made his first Fibber McGee and Molly appearance on September 2nd, 1935, the same night the McGee's moved into their home. The first episode in which Hugh had an active role as Watson was November 4th, 1935, so that was shortly after. On that broadcast, the full name of that character was given. Are you ready for this? Ready. Hold, hold on to your britches. Right. Sylvius... Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Watson. Now, Silvius, I did not know. I looked it up, and it was a mythical Roman king. Okay. So we've got this Roman mythical. I mean, not, it's not even a real king. It was yep. a mythical. Okay. And Le Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, of course, are three books in a row in the Old Testament. Right, the first three, uh, the first five Bibles in the Old Testament. It's for, right. Then, um, I guess... 
Genesis is first. Yeah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Um, Now, Leviticus I can understand, but how in heaven's name he got Numbers and Deuteronomy in his name is a mystery. So anyway, that was his name. Silvius, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Watson. Mm -hmm. And the email goes on. Hugh appeared three more times as Watson before the December 30th, 1935 episode I cited. That's the one that we listened to last night. Mm -hmm. There seems to be no audio or textual record that Watson was paid for his services as a houseboy. Perhaps room and board was enough. Now, we didn't know whether or not room and board was included there, although this particular character, as opposed to Beulah, sounded like he might have been a boarder. Mm Uh, it goes on, when the show was heard on Mondays, as it was until 1938, Wilcox occasionally referred to Silly as Sibber's Monday Man Friday. Mm-hmm. I believe Watson was added to the show to give Jim and Marion a regular character to play against every week once the McGees had settled down in Wistful Vista. This was before Isabel Randolph and Bill Thompson had joined the cast in 1936, early 1936. Mm. Watson became a vital part of the show during Marion's long absence. Studebaker, who had plenty of work on the soaps that emanated from Chicago, did not travel west when Fibber McGee and Molly went Hollywood in 1939. How Fibber McGee and Molly, a couple of very modest means, pay for Beulah's services is another matter never explained on the program, and that's something we were talking about last night. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was just a great email back from him. He's such a wealth of information about this show and others. We need to have him back as another Fibber McGee and Molly expert day or because night. I was, or... I was hopeful you would say that, and I would love to send him a note and ask him if that's something he would be able to do with us. All right. Because he, he, he was fun. He was really fun. Yep. And he had practiced. I 